Welcome to another episode of Pep Talks. Kicking off this episode, I'm Jaren. I'm Cheyenne. And today we're joined by Stacy Copen, MSRDLDSNS, the Nutrition Services Director for St. Paul Public Schools, and Lynn Broberg, SNS, the Nutrition Services Business Systems Manager at St. Paul Public Schools in St. Paul, Minnesota. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Pep Talks. So can each of you please tell us your name, your position, and how long you've worked at St. Paul Public Schools? Okay, um, I'll go ahead and start. My name is Stacey Copen, and I am the Director for Nutrition Services. I've been with St. Paul Public Schools um, for about three years now. And my name is Lynn Broberg, and I'm the Business Systems Manager for Nutrition Services, and I've been with St. Paul for two and a half years. All right, and how did each of you get started working in child nutrition in the very first place? Well, this is Stacey. Um, I started working in child nutrition programs when I um, relocated to St. Paul, Minnesota. I was working in healthcare, and I had been working with um, children in, the, in pediatrics um, and the general population for some time. And I knew that that was really where I wanted to go with my career. I really wanted to get more involved, um, and particularly with um, with children and individuals who were um, at that stage in, in their life cycle. And so that's how I ended up working for a child nutrition program. And this is Lynn. Uh, my first job in the food service industry was as a customer service representative for a food broker about 16 years ago. Uh, shortly after I started, they were looking for someone to take on the added responsibilities of coordinating uh, school bid process between manufacturers and distributors. Uh, and that was my entry into child nutrition. So I have some experience working with schools and contract accounts uh, with food brokers uh, as a distributor rep. Um, and then eventually uh, I started at Minneapolis Public Schools as their senior buyer, which led to me finding my home here in St. Paul. So Stacy, as the Nutrition Services Director, what does it look like for you on a daily basis? I think it's safe to say that no one day is the same as the next. So there is absolutely no routine, no monotony. Um, that's why this job is so exciting. I think as a, as a professional, it's really um, very energizing to be able to walk into an operation that is well run, um, but one so that really requires your attention and requires you to be flexible and really just manage um, whether it's personnel or it's um, food purchases or it's new menu items. Um, sometimes it's even uh, media events that, that pop up um, where you get to engage with the community. So those are the types of things that really kind of guide the schedule each day and um, allow to you know, allow one to have a really unique, unique set of demands as a professional. And I uh, agree with Stacey on, you know, no one day ever looks the same. Um, and there's not a lot of daily in our days. Uh, I do try to start my day off, though, by um, getting a numerical snapshot of the prior day. Um, I'll check meal counts, um, one, to kind of see how um, participation was the previous day, but also to ensure that our meal counts have been entered into our um, software system, because ultimately it needs to be in our software system for us to be able to get reimbursement. Um, I'll check meals per labor hour. Um, I'd love to be able to check food cost on a, a daily basis, um, and we're, we'll work towards that. Um, but 
other than that, it's kind of whatever comes up. Sometimes you can plan for things, and and sometimes it's a fly ball into left field that has you running in the opposite direction of what you intended to be. So at this point, let's get into the、uh, meat and potatoes of the interview and talk about how both of you were involved in flipping the script at St. Paul Public Schools.、Um, apparently, the department was running well prior to fiscal year 2013. Um, then both came into the program、uh, at the tail end of the program, experiencing three consecutive years of loss.、Um, can you share with our listeners some of the issues your program was dealing with during this time frame? Certainly.、Um, you know, at that point, as Lynn and I have mentioned, we were both coming in as new team members to St. Paul Public Schools,、um, but we were welcomed by a fantastic、um, team, a very dedicated and hardworking group.、Um, That was here running the nutrition services program, and so those individuals、um, had seen years and years of success.、They、had a really well-run operation, serving you know over forty thousand students、um, each day.、Uh, they were really leaders in the breakfast to go program, and also、um, a philosophy around、um, clean label、uh, eating. So they had done a lot of work to really take our program to a very high level from a nutritional aspect. Uh, nonetheless, there were some retirements,、uh, which is、uh, in part the reason why Lynn and I both have our jobs. So there were some transitions in some of their key leaders, and, and unfortunately, it was also kind of the perfect storm where there were、uh, new regulations, as we all know from the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act of 2010, that were、uh, really impacting the way that the operation、um, was managed, in particular the way that.、Uh, The way that foods were purchased and the foods that were ultimately purchased. So I think that at that point it was just really、um, a time where there were so many responsibilities and there were also so few resources that the、um, team members that were here were、um, finding themselves in a situation where things that had worked really well in the past、um, suddenly、uh, were a challenge and a barrier to the financial health of the department at that time. And so I'll let Lynn talk a little bit more about it from her perspective as well. But、um, basically, what we were able to do is we were able to keep the heart of the program alive and the, you know, the, the main philosophy, which was、um, healthy, nutritious meals, at the forefront for our students.、Um, but simply by changing the way that we made decisions and moving towards more data-driven decisions, with a really thorough evaluation of each decision. That is really what allowed us to regain that success that our department had,、um, and that they were, you know, known. We had a very high reputation for、um, having a very well-run operation for all those years. And I think it's,、um, you know, worthy to say that、uh, with staff turnover, it also brought new perspectives and different experiences、mm-hmm. into the mix. Um, and certainly,、uh, as someone who was new stepping into this scenario,、um, I really relied on teammates that had been here for a while because they understood our system,、uh, they understood our capacity, they understood our limitations,、um, but they also knew the loopholes in our system that allowed us to maybe try something new that hadn't been tried in the past.、Um, So it was, you know, I think a combination of a few fresh, a new few fresh eyes,、um, along with、um, our highly experienced, dedicated, and amazing staff、um, that that Stacy and I have the opportunity to、uh, work with today. 
So what was the next step for reevaluating the operations and moving the department towards what you said was data-driven decisions? So essentially, I think um, the easiest way to explain it is that we set SMART goals. So we really looked at what were some of the, um, you know, the key pain points in the operation. Where were we um, experiencing issues? It really amounted to, you know, participation. Um, the food buying, as I mentioned, was a, one of the critical elements or critical factors that we had to look at. And so we applied this, this method to um, evaluating each of those different activities, you know, from the the first point in the in the process or the flow chart all the way through the end so that we were not only making new decisions but also measuring what type of impact our new decisions had and allowing us to be flexible then if we needed to adjust. So we call those our SMART goals. I think you've probably heard that acronym before. Um, that means that each of those key areas, we had goals that were specific. Those goals were measurable. Our team agreed upon those goals. Um, but they were also realistic, and each and every goal was time-bound. Um, time-bound in the sense that we had a specific time frame where we wanted to reach our goals, but also in the way that we measured those up until that point as well. Lynn, do you want to say anything about how you reevaluated the operation? Because you did have such a key part in that. You and your team members, um, in particularly, really kind of reinvented, especially the menu planning and the um, procurement systems that we had in place. You know, it, it kind of started with looking at our fiscal goals. Uh, I think every every business, whether it's school nutrition or it's a private restaurant entity, uh, needs to have fiscal goals, um, something that you can measure yourself against and ensure that you're on track for success. And we had established um, fiscal goals when I started, and it was kind of looking at how are we currently aligning with our fiscal goals. And it was there that we saw, you know, looking at the numbers, participation's down, our food cost is up. It seems like this is the this is the first place to start, um, especially with um, food being the second largest expenditure uh, in our budget. It was really critical that we we kind of get a handle on that, make some improvements. And I, I kind of feel like it wasn't one one thing that solved world peace. Um, it was just little pieces here and there adding up to make a big impact. Uh, I did notice when I started that we didn't have a true cycle menu. Uh, so we kind of created a, got, got on, everybody agreed and got on board with a four-week um, menu cycle. Um, we looked at food cost. I had the privilege of having some previous buying experience at Minneapolis in which we had done the evaluation on what the best way to spend commodity dollars. So it was kind of looking at, let's do that same evaluation here, making sure that we're, we're doing the proper procurement based on our capacity. Um, so I, I think it was, um, you know, kind of easy to identify where we needed to focus. Okay, and how difficult was it to initially narrow down the main items you wanted to include in your action plan? It wasn't difficult at all. I think that because the operation was so well run and we had so many team members on board who really um, had you know very extensive and intimate knowledge of the program, that really helped um, us to um, really 
put a fresh set of eyes on the numbers and see pretty clearly where the uh, where the opportunities lied. And as Lynn mentioned, um, you know, one of our um, biggest cost categories, as it is in every food operation, is in fact food. And of course, the end re- the end product you know that we're providing to our customers is of course a menu that is exciting that um, they want you know that they want to see. Um, provided to them so that uh, we have that, that customer um, interaction and we have the, the value the value item for our customer that, that they're looking for and they're depending on us for. So it was really easy to put those details together to see that one of our main focuses was, as I mentioned, um, the um, purchasing process for the food, the way that it made all those decisions, and then also the, the menus, so how we put that food together and, and how we delivered that to our customers in a way that was exciting and appealing to them. So I think Stacey kind of hit a little bit on um, one of the tools that we developed was to evaluate not just participation, um, which we want to make food that kids are excited to eat, um, but also revenue. Um, and I'm talking net revenue, so not just reimbursement, but reimbursement after we subtract um, all of our other costs. What is our you know, true net revenue. And I think a lot of people get hung up on participation. If participation is low, then you're not going to have a successful program from a financial standpoint. And and when we talk about financial standpoint, I mean sustainability, Um, making sure that we're at least breaking even so we can continue the program. Um, if you have high participation, a lot of people, I think, get caught up on, oh, I'm doing great. Look at my participation is really high. But if your costs are high, participation is actually making your financial situation worse. Uh, so we, we created a tool that measures both revenue and participation. Um, high participation with high revenue, those are the items that we want to keep on our menu. High participation with low revenue yeah, those are the kids are eating. That is, you know, our goal. That's our reason for doing what we do. Um, and we offset that by having some items on our menu that are low participation but high high revenue. Then you have your low revenue, low participation items. Those are the ones you want to look at removing from your menu. Um, we take the approach of if it has low participation and low net revenue, it might not necessarily be that the kids don't like that food. It may be that they don't like that food how we're cooking it. They don't like that food how we have it seasoned. So we don't just immediately make the knee-jerk reaction of taking it off once something's had low participation or low and low net, uh, net revenue for the day. Um, everything has a bad day, so we look for patterns. Uh, if it's every time it's on the menu, it's low participation and low revenue, then we start to go through those questions of is it a recipe issue, is it a holding issue, um, is it a food quality issue, or is it the fact that no matter how great we make it, the kids aren't still gonna, are still not going to like it. Um, but we have that process in place. We have the metrics to... Uh, determine what our next move and what our next thought process is. So are we really using that data to have us make those um, decisions and figure out our action plan? So you guys talked about evaluating participation and revenue. Let's talk about another part of the action plan that St. Paul used, the analysis of financial reports. 
Yes, we love data here. <laughs> we really do. And we actually have a um, we have a lot of data at our fingertips. So I think that as an operator for a child nutrition program, that was one of the lessons that I learned coming into um, this field very quickly is that um, data is your friend and data can tell you a lot about um, the, the feedback that you need from your from your customer base and what you can do to um, to make your customers happier and to have a return on your investment, so to speak, whether it's your investment um, in the program financially or also just your investment um, in your in your time as well. And um, Lynn, I'm going to let you talk really more in depth about financial records because um, I do think that as our seller business manager, that is definitely one area uh, where you shine. Can I ask a question really quickly? Yeah. Do you guys use Premier Wedge Financials? We're your brand new customers, so we don't have anything Premier Wedge right now. Oh, got it. Okay. Then don't yeah, just... we use Excel. Oh. Yeah. Disregard that question. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the implementation phase, and every time I log on just to look at the uh, the site, I see that financial tab, and I get warm, fuzzy feelings inside so for what, mm-hmm. what's to come. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's good. So um, I'm on the marketing team and that's my my baby, the financials module. So I'm really glad to hear that. So any complaints, direct them directly to Cheyenne. <laughs> I've got your number. <laughs> okay, Lynn. So definitely take it away um, on the analysis of financial reports. We kind of have a philosophy in our department that everything has a number and everyone has a number. Um, and it doesn't always need to be um, data-driven numbers. For example, my purchasing analyst, her her number is one, and that is the number of farm-to-school items at a minimum she needs to menu every month, which if you're from California, that's not a hard, hard number to do, but when you're from Minnesota and uh, seven out of nine months of the school are non-growing months, uh, it's a little challenge, um, a little challenging. So we've got uh, several financial reports. Most are monthly. Um, We have an operating report, which tracks our expenses as well as our revenue. So every month we're comparing uh, not only the month prior, but also the month in the prior year uh, against each other to try to establish if, you know, we've done something good, we need to make improvements somewhere. trying to get a handle on those things that we can't control and how do we counteract those things that can't control that that could um, slow us down a little bit. Um, it tracks expenditures by category. So as we talk about food, uh, the food category would be one line for food, one line for milk. Um, the labor category has it broken down from administrative staff to uh, site-based staff wages labor and uh, uh, benefits like health insurance, workman's comp, uh, temporary help. So we really can, within each category, compare and if, if there is a uh, an anomaly or a change that causes concern, uh, we can look at each of those individual subcategories and determine where we're needing to focus. Um, we also have a particip- monthly participation summary operating report uh, that breaks down participation for the different grade levels. Uh, it also breaks down participation for our CEP schools versus our non-CEP schools. Uh, so again, there's a lot of data to look at. 
Um, and really it just takes me a few minutes of looking at each of those monthly operating reports and having an idea of how we did the previous month. Uh, we do get an operating report. Uh, our, our accountant promises that to us uh, the 20th of the month uh, after the month ends. So, for example, May's operating report we would have by June 20th. Um, yeah. Getting that in a, in a timely manner is critical um, because we are such a large operation, sometimes changes take time to make. So if we don't get that information, uh, if it takes a while to get that information, then we're just prolonging our, our ability to react to changes. Uh, so it, it's, uh, it's really critical to have something that's uh, a report on a, uh, on a regular basis um, and a timely basis, too. Yeah, and I think it would also be safe to say that trends are our friend. Um, you know, trends are really the basis for everything that we do with our financial reports. It's either the um, trend that allows us to know historically how good we were and what we either want to meet or exceed in, in the operation, or also, as Lynn had mentioned earlier, those trends tell us where we have had um, – issues or we have seen declines in our in our services and um, our revenue and where we need to really focus in order to um, see the future success that we're that we're looking towards. So our financial reports, though it there's not a one size fits all, there's not one financial report that works um, to solve all of our problems or answer all of our questions or um, even indicate all of our success. Uh, it's really putting each of those together daily, weekly, monthly, and also, of course, quarterly and annually um, to measure and then obviously um, basically to measure the, the uh, positive outcomes that our decisions have, have led us to. Now, how did you change your mini planning timeline to allow your team to work ultimately smarter, not harder? Yes. Well, so good mini planning is key to increasing predictability Increasing predictability touches absolutely every single person in the operation, um, from the buyer, obviously, to the um, individuals in the schools who are preparing and serving the food. Um, also, of course, um, it involves uh, a lot of predictability for the um, for the business manager as well in making decisions and working with vendors and connecting all of our sources and resources back to um, an operation that it has uh, some continuity and some consistency in it. Um, the menu that we transitioned to was a four-week cycle menu. And um, Lynn, your team really was pretty key in this as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah. As Stacey mentioned, um, having a cycle menu gives us the ability um, to predict better um, or forecast better. Um, in terms of the four-week cycles, you know, we I think in years past we may have run into situations where we have something menued and then it's not menued for another six to eight weeks. Well, any leftovers are just going to be sitting in your inventory, um, adding to your food cost and your and your expenses. Um, so having that, uh, it's going to be served in four weeks. It helps with inventory management. Um, additionally, having Kind of a set four-week cycle also allowed us to plan better with our commodity purchasing. Um, we kind of shied away from the um, the more specific items, like uh, for example, pizza. And having a four-week cycle also allowed us to plan for our commodity purchasing better. 
Um, we did an analysis of the costs associated with doing an NOI item versus buying a product commercially versus buying um, a brown box item. Um, we look at our commodity entitlement dollars as a as a gift card. Um, and it is cash, even though it's not physically cash. To us, we treat it like cash. Uh, so if I'm buying a, can, a, a case of peaches, um, I want to make sure that I'm looking at what is the true cost of the commercial item, which is, you know, what would my distributor charge me, versus the cost of uh, if I was buying it from, you know, through diversion or through NOI, where you have some commercial costs and then you have some commodity entitlement money um, being put towards that. And then what if I, what is the value, the commodity value of a case of brown box peaches? So we looked at the items uh, that we are purchasing that fitted, fit within those three categories and, and determined and kind of costed them out to determine what is the most bang for our buck. Uh, and for our operation, we're, we're privileged to have a, a central um, warehouse with an internal distribution system. For us, it's, it's a lot more brown box um, than doing the NOIs. Some of the smaller school districts, your labor costs of handling brown box might be might offset any um, any cost savings that you would have in a brown box product. So for them, it might it might make sense to do the NOI. Um, so it, it's taking the information, running it through your system, determining what are your true costs, and then making the best decision um, for your department. Um, and for your customers, ultimately, because um, obviously the the better food we can purchase or other savings that we can have in some foods can uh, equate to being able to serve a higher quality product on some other things, and that will help your participation, too. I'm really glad that you brought up the gift card analogy because I'm a big preacher of there's no such thing as a free commodity, that you should treat it like it's cash um, and that they're cash items sitting on in your inventory. Uh, I actually wrote a blog on that. Um, you can find it on our website. But it takes really, really good forecasting to determine the best way to maximize uh, your, your USDA foods. And it sounds like you guys have definitely got it down. Yeah, and we do spend a lot of our commodity dollars on the basics. Um, I know that uh, we make our own pizza crust in our um, central kitchen um, here in St. Paul, so we're not buying any pre-made pizzas, but we know we're going to put cheese on it. We know we're going to serve pizza, and we know we're going to put cheese on it, so let's look at the basics of, like, mozzarella. We know we're going to have Caesar, sal Caesar salads, and um, we know we're going to do chicken fajitas, so let's look at getting that chicken fajita meat. Uh, we know we're going to serve beef crumbles in spaghetti sauce, so let's look at getting, you know, beef crumbles or ground beef. So it's kind of using our, our dollars on the basics and then determining what the best method to purchase those basics are. So the last part of your action plan talked about evaluating participation and revenue. Can you guys talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so it's, you know, looking at not just participation, but also revenue. A high participation day might not be a high revenue day, and depending on what your costs are associated with that, you might actually lose money on a high participation item. So it's it's kind of looking at both of those two numbers um, and making uh, decisions 
based on those two figures. So if you have a high participation with a low uh, low food cost or low net revenue, um, obviously you want to keep those those items on the menu. If you have low participation and uh, low net revenue, those are the items that you kind of want to look at maybe changing, um, whether it's a recipe issue, um, whether it's the kids aren't going to like it, no matter how great you make it, um, you are going to have some misses. So um, after all is said and done, can you share with us uh, some of the numbers uh, as far as what the final result was? We certainly can. <laughs> well, all right. uh, yeah, absolutely. So, yes, as uh, we had shared with you earlier, you know, we came into a department that had seen many, many years of success and was suddenly and unexpectedly facing financial losses, meaning that at the end of the year, the expenses uh, exceeded the, the revenue. And so it took us about a year to turn it around, but at the end of the, of the year, thanks to our SMART goals, we were able to end the year with a, with a positive balance. And we have reaped the benefits of that for two consecutive years now. So this is actually the second year that I'd say our system has been in place. And it doesn't mean that we're doing things the same way that we were even a, you know, a year, year and a half ago, but what it means is that our system for making decisions is the same. And so our, me- our main, main measure of success is, of course, whether or not at the end of the year we still have our customers coming back to us every day and that decisions, decisions that we made that we were able to balance um, our expenses, um, obviously, to our revenue. So we saw an increase in participation at both breakfast and lunch. Our school district did start the community eligible, excuse me, our school district uh, implemented the community eligibility provision and is now ser- helping us to serve 60% of our student body. And I think a lot of people think that, oh, well, that might be a key factor. And it very well is. Um, giving our students access to nutritious meals is um, our mission. And that um, does play a key part in our success. However, I want to just um, say that we use a system for all of our decision-making processes for all of our schools. And what we know from the data is that we saw just as much success in our uh, non-community eligible supervision schools as we did those that were participating in that uh, program as well. So we feel it's a tried and true system. Um, yeah, and I think it's, uh, Stacy said, uh, one thing that stood out to me was the decisions that we're making today might not necessarily be the same decisions that we were making a year ago, or the things that we were doing today are the same things that we were doing a year ago. Um, it's important to note that, you know, something that's worked in the past may not always work in the future, um, but the only way that you're going to know that is by having a measurable goal and data set to monitor to um either, you know, confirm that the system and the, and the things that you're doing um, are continuing to work um, or if you need to adapt with changes. We, I can't say enough good things about the team that we work with, uh, both at our administrative level and our site-based level. And, you know, we've really kind of created, um, they've created uh, this amazing culture within our, in our building. Um, and within our department, and it is a such a can-do, um, nothing's going to stop us. If this isn't working, we're going to try something else, and we're going to get through this because our, our kids deserve this. Our customers 
deserve this from us. Uh, so I, I have to make sure that I give a big shout out. We give a big shout out to all of our staff um, and teammates that that make this possible. Now, before we start wrapping things up here, are there any words of additional advice or wisdom that you can impart upon other child nutrition programs who might be struggling financially? Yeah, I would say establish measurable goals, monitor those measurables, uh, take action if needed, and and don't forget to celebrate your successes too. Uh, we all need to have um, that feeling of accomplishment to keep going, and and it's important to celebrate your successes just as it is um, to tackle your challenges. And I don't think you could say that any better. Thank you, Lynn. Okay, so um, I guess we're ready to wrap up this podcast. So we wanted to thank you guys both for joining us on this podcast, and we wish you a great back to school. Thank Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. We'd like to thank Stacy and Lynn from St. Paul Public Schools for dropping by and telling us all about their SMART goals and the way that they turn things around in their operations. If you're interested in having some help in looking at your SMART goals, PremierWedge can definitely assist you there. With our full suite of web-based solutions, we handle everything from inventory to financials to menu planning and even School Cafe, our platform designed for engagement with parents and students. And we have much more than that to offer. Feel free to check out our blog at PremierWedge.com forward slash blog for all of your school nutrition content. You can also listen to and subscribe to our podcast by visiting PremierWedge.com forward slash podcast. And also visit the website to check out our slew of additional premium content. You can also join up with us on social media. We have a Facebook account, a LinkedIn, and also a Twitter. So just go to these social platforms and search for Primero Edge. Wrapping up this episode, I'm Jaren. I'm Cheyenne. And that was your full serving of child nutrition. <laughs>